This is the Micro Martin Podcast. So I had my heart broken for the first time. Oh shit. It's usually that <laughs> We're fucked up on this show. As you can tell so far, we see ghosts. <laughs> Help. Yeah. My dog's a weirdo, yo. All she does is just climb on top of the couch and just start licking the top of my head. That's or so anyone's funny. head. She just likes black products. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Monroe Martin Podcast. We digital this time, motherfucker. I shouldn't I I shouldn't be cursing up top. I know that it says try not to curse within the first 10 minutes of the video, but I I don't know if I can help that. Who says that? Who says that? That's what the that's what the kids online say. The kids online when it comes to like money getting your stuff monetized, you know those little geniuses, they be like, "Don't curse within the first 10 minutes because if you do then they are less likely to show your video to the masses and i'm like that that sounds about right but i see so many fight videos and all that stuff but people who are listening if you're listening and you're not watching the beautiful voice that you hear right now is my homie my best friend chloe hilliard She's out there. Hey. She's a, actually, let me get the credits right. Cause she's not just my fucking homie. She's a producer. She's a comedian. She's a writer. She's an actress. She's a journalist. Even though I said that twice, writer and journalist are two different things. She's a bad motherfucker. All right. I'm honored to have her here on this episode and you should be too. Give it up for Chloe Hilliard, everybody. Hey. Thank you. All right, before we get into the conversation, Chloe, can you tell people where you're going to be? Oh, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, Chloe underscore Hilliard. You can go to ChloeHilliard.com to learn more about me. You can also check out FYourDiet.com if you want to learn more about my book. I'm also going to be releasing a clothing line called Fuck Your Diet soon. So sign up for my my mailing list, my newsletter. I don't don't be posting on newsletter, but sign up for my mailing list so I can hit you directly because social media is about to is about to take everything down so you know how you been man you live out you've been out in la for two years and i know it's different because you're you're not an la person yo you're you're a new yorker i am a new yeah i've actually been two and a half years which sounds crazy um it's gone by so fast i am a native new yorker through and through i think that Mm -hmm. that helps me uh survive in la because i just i just say what i feel and so they I don't do that out in LA? Would you no. say that that's really? No, everybody sugarcoats stuff. They have to because they don't want to be the person that like burns a bridge that could lead to like a you know multi million dollars. Like no one ever is gonna tell you a direct no. They'll just say like, mm. Oh, you know, uh, you know, we we really loved you, but you know, um, we're out to someone else right now, or we would love to do something else. it's never like no you didn't get the job it's never it's always some like nice way of like letting you down because <laughs> did you hear that as soon as yes. i get started hold on so what were you saying uh no no i think I, I was just saying that like people aren't that direct and i am direct but they think of it as like being really nice i don't know it's weird like i i moving to la has been a head trip for me because i get complimented on the things that i normally do here and no one cares like Mm -hmm. but it's just it's just a different energy out there and so people are like you're so nice and you're so like pleasant which is weird because everybody thinks new yorkers are mean but 
I think the thing about New Yorkers are we see you, we acknowledge you, we know you there. We we will have that experience and be like, how are you human being? Like, we know it's tough out here. Let's get this money. Mm-hmm. Um, versus being like, get out my fucking way. I'm stepping on your back. Like, it's a, yeah. it's just a difference. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but that I feel like I see and value people because I know how hard life is. And I think living in New York, you know how hard life is. And like, you know, for example, I'm here in New York this week, um, doing spots, getting up, seeing friends and family. But this is my the longest time I've been in New York since I moved away. And I feel like a tourist in my own city. Like, I feel like, oh, wow, I really miss New York. I'm, I'm walking around during the daytime, like doing all the stuff that I would never do when I lived here. I went into a souvenir shop, one of those like regular tacky ass souvenir shops. And, you know, I'm talking to the people in there, the guys that work there. And you could just see them being like, oh, here's someone who's like, not treating me like a piece yeah. of furniture who's engaging and talking to me and, and just being like, how's your day? How's everything? Because it's like, I'm in a good mood. Like mm-hmm. I'm in a good mood. I'm in a great place. And I also acknowledge that like my attitude is much different than when it was when I lived here. But I think yeah. that you can, you can attest. To that, oh, absolutely. But I, but I also, <laughs> I, but I think we're always hypercritical of ourselves. I don't think you've ever had a, a, a bad attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're all always in our head about things, but I, I always yeah. thought your attitude was fine. Like the, like the directness is what me and I think a lot of our friend group appreciate because that's something you just don't get in life. Like people will rather dance around the issue versus just being like, here's the problem. Here's the, the issue. How can we fix it? If we can't fix it, then we just move on. If it can be fixed, yeah. cool. And I think that's why our group is so tight. Cause we can, kind of talk to each other about what's bothering us you know what i mean yeah absolutely yeah. and i and i think that 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 friendship group is so important you know mm-hmm. uh my, my brother was asking me he was like do other people have crews and i'm like in comedy everybody has a crew you fall yeah. in line with the people who you fall in line with the people who are very similar to you in like life philosophy experience growing up mm-hmm. whatever and so i think i fell in with you guys because we all had very similar qualities, even though we express it in very different ways. But I think at the mm-hmm. core of who we are, we're like, we are honest people. Like, I think all of yeah. us are very honest people and we don't yeah. bullshit each other. And if something ain't working, something ain't working. Like you saw me bomb the other night and I knew mm-hmm. I was going to bomb. And you was like, yeah, she knows she bombing. She knows. <laughs> it's like, it's like, <laughs> but also, you know how I view bombing. I, to me, bombing is fine when you're working on something. When you're yeah, yeah, yeah. and the audience can tell, there's a difference of, bombing when you're like ah that joke didn't hit the way i wanted to hit but i still kept the energy up i still kept it friendly and then there's this bombing where people are just depleting the room and fucking draining the energy and stuff like yeah. that and i'm i've done both but i'm i'm happy with bombing when i go all right we all know that this wasn't work it didn't work out the way i wanted it to but we all still had fun and i feel the audience yeah. still enjoyed it you know what I mean? Yeah, Even yeah, though yeah. certain things may have not worked the way you wanted them to work, they were still engaged. Like, all right, we with you. Because here's one thing that Derek, Derek, um, Derek Gaines, for the people who aren't familiar with Derek Gaines, but y'all should know. Y'all fucking, y'all know no need for apologies. <laughs> you know who everybody is. Derek had to reiterate something to me. And it just was like one of those moments where it's just like pulling the veil back. Is the audience does not no, they don't know if the joke you just did didn't work. All they know is, did they laugh or not? 
Were they engaged? Did they mm-hmm. did they walk away knowing something about the about you? So yeah, you know. Yeah, and you know it's so funny. The thing the thing that always and I, I hate to say always, but to this point since I've been mm-hmm. doing this joke, the thing that always gets in the pause break is when I talk about <laughs> why I'm in therapy, and they're yeah. like, "Oh yeah, that it's not a joke; it's the truth." But they laugh mm-hmm. and they applaud because they're just like. Oh wow, yeah, she just really told us some like deep ass shit and yeah. and it makes us understand her a little bit more. And I think that's the thing that I have missed about like not being able to perform as much in LA is like being able to have that outlet to just like get things out of my head, to say yeah. things how I feel and to, you know, share my insight on things, whether it's like ridiculous or, you know, a little bit of like enlightenment. But I, I'm yeah. really happy that I'm in New York for this week and I get to like perform and get on stage every night because I yeah. don't get a chance to do that in LA. But yeah, I think you should bring back social misfits, even though uh, nothing is a substitute is a substitute for stand up. Nothing mm-hmm. at all. But this is probably the closest I feel like I get to like of working things out. You know what I mean? When I have an idea. Especially when it's somebody I I like talking to, and we can just mm-hmm. shoot the shit and work things out. I feel like this is the closest to it, and you got to bring back that podcast. If you're listening yeah, to this, people, the- <laughs> tell her, be like, yo. But first of all, go listen to Chloe across America on YouTube, or go look at Social Misfits or Random River, all the fucking podcasts that she's had <laughs> in the past. Go look at all of those. And and then go, hey, you should just come back to podcasting. Even it's just once a week. It's just once uh, a week for I an know, hour. I know. Okay, so I'm gonna tell you. It'll help your one, sanity. No, listen. Two things. One, I started doing I started doing social misfit by myself, right? Because mm-hmm. of scheduling and all that stuff. But one, it's like it's the workload. Like I don't yeah. mind doing that stuff, but I can't do it myself anymore. I, I used to take great pride in being a one man band. And, you know, I used to beat my chest to be like, I can do everything. I, I, I do the podcast. I book the guests. I do the graphics. I do the editing. I post the clips. I can't do that anymore. I just don't mm-hmm. have it in me. So that's one. I need like manpower. So if anybody want to mm-hmm. sign me and give me a deal and then just produce my podcast and I show up and look pretty and talk shit, then fine. But yeah. then also, it's the, it's the talking shit thing. Like, I realized this trip has truly solidified for me that, like, I'm not just a stand-up anymore. You know, being in L.A. for yeah. two and a half years, I work on a show. I'm the co-head writer, co-executive producer on a Black Lady Sketch show. I'm affiliated with HBO, and I can't mm-hmm. just be out here saying the shit that I used to say when it was just me being a one-man band comedian. And yeah. so I'm also mindful of that because I don't want to be in a position where I'm talking about a celebrity, I'm talking about a, a controversial situation. Like, say if I was, you know, wax a poet about Will and Jada, and the next mm-hmm. thing you know, I'm in a general meeting with their production company, and they're like, we want to know if you want to work with us. And I got to be like, well, I said some shit on the podcast. Yeah. You know, so so you have to think about those things. And and I don't ever want to, you know, shoot myself in the foot because truly I'm not, I'm not a malicious person. I do think a lot of times when you podcast, especially when you podcast a lot, you mm-hmm. end up talking about the same things over and over again. And you end up like picking on the same easy targets over and over again. And as a comic, mm-hmm. you know, that's like, that's a wealth of, you know, opportunity for us to like talk about some crazy dark ass shit. And so, yeah. you know, the, the stuff that we talk amongst ourselves is like, I can't be saying 80% of that shit out loud. Well, leave me to it. Let me do it. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) 
do it. And you know, I think it's like I I realized like I did I did Angela Lee, Angela Yee's uh show way up this week and mm. she asked me, she was basically she was like, Do you you know, how do you think people like you're with your success and blah 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 and I was like, I never I never assume people know who I am. I never mm. assume people know who I am. I'm actually very like when people stop me in the street, it's not like everyday occurrence, but like when it does happen, I'm truly grateful and I'm, I'm appreciative. And I tell them like, thank you so much for like stopping me. I appreciate, you know, your, your kind words because I don't take it for granted. And I also realize that for me, as someone who grew up with no friends to mm. all of a sudden have people being like, you're amazing. You're great. Yeah. You're this, you're that. It's just like, and the thing about it is, is that I never changed who I was. So I, now the person that everybody hated because I was weird and different as a kid is the same mm-hmm. person who being like, you're so refreshing. You're so irreverent. You're so smart. And, and it's just, it is a little bit of a mind fuck. But then I'm also yeah. like, well, I'm glad I stay true to myself because mm-hmm. y'all just, y'all finally catching on. Yeah. But I think you're over-exaggerating. You're saying you didn't have no friends. Granted, I wasn't around, but... No, no. First, first of all, you went to an all Jewish school. They couldn't be your I friends. I did not. I they couldn't be school. your friends. I did not go to a Jewish school. I went to a I went to a black a bougie black elementary school, which is now like one of the top elementary schools in Brooklyn called PS Eleven. And when I was mm-hmm. there, it was I hate to say it, there was general population, and then it was yeah. like the gifted classes. And I was and always was in gifted, the gifted classes. Gifted. Yeah, gifted, gifted classes. So from kindergarten to fifth grade, I was in the gifted classes in school which they don't do anywhere they don't separate us um but I was the youngest kid the biggest kid in a smart class I was not socially inept to handle the ins and outs of like the social structure in a a school um because I grew up in a Hasidic Jewish neighborhood Mm -hmm. I was the only child you know my parents sheltered me I grew up during the crack era so there was a lot of sheltering I was either in church or at home yeah. I didn't have any big cousins that lived near me. And the other cousins that I had was on a bad side of town. So they wasn't going to let me go. You know, these, my other cousins like knew the streets. They was like, yeah. you know, with it. They went out there, you know, their, their apartment door was open. They was just coming in and out the house. Like I didn't do any of that. So I had yeah. no point of reference. Um, and so then when I got to elementary school, you know, not having siblings, not having like big cousins to play with. And I was the first grandchild on my mom, on my mom's side. So I was the mm-hmm. only kid. Um, I didn't know a lot of like the social things that other kids knew. And then I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood. My points of references, my cultural references were not the same. You know, I'm doing what my parents did. My dad, my dad listened to George Clinton and Jimi Hendrix and Parliament Funkadelic and my mom and and fucking Frank Zappa. And my mom listened to Al Jarreau and Bobby McFerrin. So I didn't know shit. I didn't know anything. And so, you know, when I got to school, I was truly a social misfit. And that's also part of the reason why I call my podcast that. But, like, I was truly a social misfit. I did not fit in. And they knew I didn't fit in. And I was also the biggest kid Mm -hmm. and the youngest kid, again. And so there was a lot of things. And so I was bullied tremendously by the same group of kids from junior high school to fifth grade. And I remember one one of my best friends, she came to that school in the fourth grade. And when she got to that school... Everybody was like, don't be friends with Chloe. She's weird. She's this, she's that, she's this, she's that. One of and your then, best friends, you're saying? From- no, no, she be- no, okay. she became my best friend. She became my best oh, friend. Okay. But, she, but she became my best friend because she got to the school late, so she wasn't indoctrinated and, like, knowing that we don't fuck Chloe like that. And so well, she how did the- Wait, so no, hold on, sorry. So she told people don't fuck with you? No, 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 okay. She joined the school in fourth grade so okay. she knew she she was a new girl 
But when she came there and she was a new girl, they was like, this is how things run here. We don't like Chloe, so you shouldn't like her either. You know, they told her. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, like, Chloe's weird. You know, like, okay, so when I was in elementary school, this this story encapsulates what I mean by bully, right? Mm -hmm. These are like my frenemies. They would pick and choose when they didn't want to be nice to me. So you know how every little girl in elementary school, they play family. So it's like, I'm the mom, this is my daughter. You know, we all the same age, same grade, but it's like, I'm the mom, this is my daughter, this is the niece. So everybody playing family. Mm. Well, they were playing family that week and I had to pay 50 cents to be in a family and I was the maid. <laughs> <laughs> so Yo, that's what I mean by like... That's hilarious by like, bullying. I know. Did you say it on stage? No, no, I haven't said that on stage yet. Oh my God, that is funny. Um, you had to pay 50 cents to be in a family? Yeah. That's kind of like my upbringing, but you, like, in real life, (laughs) and then they were just playing around with you. Yeah, and so, you know, so because you want to be socially accepted, you do things. Mm So this, you know, these are the same, these are my same tormentors. So, like, I understand how to, you know, bargain with them. But, so when she got into the school at fourth grade, they pretty much was, like, filling her in on, like, this is Chloe, blah, blah, blah. And so she was like, nah, I don't care. Like, I'm my own person, and and I appreciate it. I mean, we're still best friends to this day, like, she was mm-hmm. like, I'm my own person. I'll make my own decisions. And so she was like the first sleepover I got invited to. Like, she, because, you know, once she started doing it, then other kids was like, okay, I guess. But they didn't really want me there. It was just yeah. like, I, I mean, I guess. Um, and then after I left, I left elementary school a year before they did because I got blamed for a riot. I got blamed for a race riot in the fourth grade, in the fifth grade. Yo, um, we got similar upbringings, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So did I it get blamed, physical? Well, no, what happened was we had this racist teacher named Miss Sherman, who's probably long dead. Okay. And she was an old white lady who was just used to like ruling with an iron fist. But the thing is that we were a gifted class. So like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to like be so authorita- authoritarian with us. Um, and these two boys, again, when I say I was with the same group of kids from kindergarten to fifth grade, it was the same group of kids, maybe like a couple new people here and there, but like the majority of the kids were the exact same kids. So we've been knowing each other. We long standing beef, squashing it, all that stuff. So these mm-hmm. two boys, they got into an argument in class and they got physical. And this is like a rare occasion. Like we, we never like physically fought, but like. Yeah, smart kids don't kids, fight. We don't fight. Yeah. So they, so they fought, right? And so they fought in class. Like, it, it erupted in class. And I think it was because they both liked the same girl, like, low-key or something mm. else. Um, but then when they fought, they, like, on the floor rolling around fighting. And she picked up a yardstick, and she starts beating them with the yardstick. And when I tell you a record scratched, everybody was like, hold on, wait a minute. Now you you hitting us? Like, then the whole class turned on her and was like, you can't be beating us. Like, what the fuck do you Damn. think this is? And, you know, it was a lot of yelling and screaming and, like, you know, they, this is, like, Nelson Mandela. Did you hear that chime? Because I want to make sure. Let me make sure. No, I didn't hear no chime. Okay, let me just put this on real quick. Hold on. Um, So, you know, she was beating us. You know, she was beating the two boys and then we turned. And this is, like, you know, we we went through a lot in elementary school. Like, Nelson Mandela came out. We saw him riding through Fulton Street. You know, we know about, we know about, you know, segregation, apartheid. Like, we know about our rights. We sing in Kwanzaa songs. Like, we are pro-black. This is, like, native tongues. Quest, yeah, you know, like, the wrong group. Quest. Like, yeah. this is the wrong group. We know our yeah. rights. Okay? Um, <laughs> we proofread them. We wrote reports yeah. on that shit. 
<laughs> yeah, and so she, um, and so she, we turned on her, and she lost control of the class, and she called down to the mm-hmm. principal's office, and everything was like, you know, they in here, we riot, riot, and they locked the door, we in there singing, like, we shall overcome, like, I'm telling you, like, not no. even <laughs> exaggerating, and so all of that went down, and they somehow try to pinpoint it on me and say Chloe was the one who agitated the whole thing and I was not and so they try to use that as a reason to kick me out of the class to put me Mm. in gen pop and my mother was like I'll take my kid out of the school before I let you put her in gen pop because she didn't do the shit and also what's so funny to me is like clearly y'all but the thing was because I was a big body person I always got blamed for everything Mm. and I was the most nonviolent person, I was always literally forced to defend myself. And I knew Mm -hmm. that if I ever, if I ever hit back or yell back, I would always get in trouble. And my mother knew Mm -hmm. that. So when they said that I caused a riot, my mother was like, first of all, you mean the kids that hate her? You think the kids that hate her listen to her to Mm -hmm. do a riot? That's no fucking way. And so she took me out and took me to another school, another gifted. This was a completely gifted and talented school. You went to two different schools. Damn, you that gifted? Yeah. I mean, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> so, Usually you can get into one gifted school and then that's it. If you don't mm-hmm. make that, then you back to gym pop. But they're that nah, gifted nah. where you got drafted yeah, to, to another school. Yeah, I went to PS11 and then after PS11, mm-hmm. I tested into uh, Philippa Schuyler, okay. um, which is a school, school for the gifted and talented. And I was there mm-hmm. until I graduated and then went to high school. When I went to high school, I went to uh, Mary Bertram, which is probably now like pulled apart because you know they do all this charter school crap now Mm but um, I did Mary Bertram for business careers and I studied computer science and I was like I'm gonna be a computer science like engineer like I was I mean I had studied computer science in in junior high school so I was coding Mm -hmm. I was Mm -hmm. coding in like the seventh grade um and when I met you you were building websites for people on the side so I should have listed that as a part of your credits entrepreneur (laughs) a true entrepreneur you know how to hustle yes I do know how to hustle so you know, with, with that experience being bullied as a child, it's just like, yeah, I um, I just know how to, like, move and not really care about what people think or say about me. And, you know, it's hard. I mean, you know, I have moments where I'm just like, mm-hmm. what, what, what's the disconnect? Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it's like I want to be able to connect and, ha- and have people understand where I'm coming from or what I'm saying on stage. And that's why I like to give a lot of context about myself. I love to say... You know, I love to say my age, which most people don't do. I love saying I'm 42. Uh, you know, I talk about where I'm from because I need you to understand why I'm saying and believing mm-hmm. and thinking the things that I say on stage or in my material, yeah. whatever it is. It's like, I'm not, I'm not up here posing. Like, this is true life experience that you're, that yeah. you're witnessing. Good. First, you said two things. First of all, like, I'm, I'm glad you're mentioning your age thing because I, I definitely... What like women to like get rid of that stigma that the older you get, the less valuable you are. I, that doesn't make sense. Like I feel like there are there are more women that are forty plus that look better than most of these chicks that are young. Because when you're older, you know you, you spend mm-hmm. time with you, you know, you know what I mean. Like you you take care of yourself. Like I was talking to my homie about that. You start to treat your body like. Uh, a fucking classic car like you're just not gonna leave it in the garage like you know you're gonna turn it on every once in a while you're gonna rub it down you're gonna really just take care of yourself and i feel like we need to normalize that like normalize women being proud of their age and saying it so we don't go you're only 42 it's like yeah this is what 42 looks like when you drink water 
That's yeah. what 42 yeah. looks like when you exactly. love yourself. And that's like water. Water, yo. I can't wait. I, I embrace my I love my age. It is a part of who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm very glad that all that I all that I've experienced in life, all that I've, you know, given from myself to the world. And mm-hmm. I also feel like, you know, at 42, I honestly look the best I've ever looked in my life. So I'm definitely going to embrace this part of me and I'm not going to like dumb it down or make you feel better about mm-hmm. yourself because it's true. You guys take care of yourself. I, I tell y'all all the time. There's no yeah. way. There's no way I'm working this hard to achieve my goals and I can't mm-hmm. live to mm-hmm. to experience and enjoy them. No, that that can't happen. And also, it's bad health is just as bad as bad debt, like um, credit card debt, right? Because yeah. if you if you use your twenties and you use to fuck your body up, and then you don't take care of yourself, and then you get money, mm-hmm. you're just spending that money on that bad health. And then yeah. you get what I'm saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I definitely yeah. understand. You know, I get it. I mean, especially yeah. in our community, like comics eat like shit and eat Ooh. late at night and mad sugar and mad alcohol. And, you know, it really takes a toll. And I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not trying to be that person. I don't want to be grumpy on stage, barely able to step up and tell my jokes like yeah. I want to be fit and in control of my shit. Yeah, I, man. Well, that, that's like wait, you when I like for the ice. Wait, you want to pause for the music? I forgot what I was, what we was talking about. Did I didn't forget today? what we were talking about. No, I didn't smoke today. I wish, but I did not smoke today. Um, Are you, you know what back? it was? Yeah, only because I feel like I was doing it as like more of a coping mechanism for mm-hmm. doing things that I like. You know, you don't want to be out, but you have to be out. It was all those things, and you dealing with all your personalities. And now that all my friends are grown. I'm out with people who we're cool, like we're cool. But then when those people not around, and and then other people just come around, and you just gotta deal with other people's insecurities, energy, yeah, energy. It's like, yo, I don't have the, I don't have the energy to be fighting other people, like to be fighting other people's energy off. So sometimes I would just smoke just so I can let that shit just flow by me. But I'm trying to just cut back on that because I'm like I don't know it's making my brain foggy and all of that stuff and then the well, weed out here make you paranoid it's trash this yeah, that's weed what is, New York weed is garbage it's trash know. yeah yeah no it's trash you can't I mean you can't you can't do New York weed mm-hmm. especially these just I mean that's one thing that blew my mind like coming back here and yes in LA dispensaries have been the thing for a while mm-hmm. now but coming back here and seeing those little dispensaries pop up shops I know that weed is oregano at best so because well, where the fuck are they growing it at Come on now, y'all got sunlight, y'all got good elements for good weed. Everyone here is like, oh yeah, I grew this in my apartment. I don't want your struggle yeah. weed. I don't yeah. want your... And also <laughs> upstate. They're, they're, yeah. they're growing them upstate. Like the farms are upstate New York, but like the crop, you know, people, mm-hmm. these are like, fir- these are like first crops. Like, you know, this mm-hmm. is like first, second crops and you can't, you can't really, really like, like that, I mean, it's a science to grow on weed. And mm-hmm. so that first, that first batch, it's like the joke I used to tell about being, you know, the first, first born pancake. child, first pancake, that first pancake look wonky as fuck. So yeah. you got, you got to, you got to work it out. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm, I'm reducing it and then I'm focusing on my health. I've been working out, lifting and all of that stuff. And then I let weed be the reward. I let the activities around because now that I'm eating clean 
or trying to eat clean and stuff, I'm like, all right, I want to have not a cheat day, but I want to have a day where I'm not as focused on my my health and stuff like that. So I'm like, oh, I'll smoke and then eat. Me and my wife, we can chill, watch movies. I want to make it more of like a celebratory thing versus the thing that I do to just get by. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I definitely get yeah, it. That's I how a, I used to do at your crib, remember? You introduced, yeah. you and Derek introduced. First of all, first of all, I need you to stop saying my crib because we were- It was your crib. Long? It so was your four, crib. Four years. Four years. years. Yeah. So you lived, you lived it. You got bills there. Like you, li- you pay yeah. rent. It was so you, our we, crib. Yes. Is that better? Like, yes, because it makes it seem like you live with me on some like shacking up shit, not like you paid bills. So that's that's something that I still do that now, right? Even though me, Michelle, our name is on everything, I still go yours, yours, yours. I don't. It's mm-hmm. just like that childhood trauma shit. I never really look at anything as I'm a part of it. It's mine too. I go, I'm here for the ride. I'll do what you need me to do, but I never look at something as mine. I don't know. I just, you it's know that. It's yours. Yeah. I know, but that's, listen, let me tell you something. I, I've done I've done several podcasts since I've been here this mm-hmm. week. I've had conversations with several comedians. And let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. The word of the week for me is therapy. So, mm-hmm. and everybody pushes back on it. Everybody pushes back mm-hmm. on it. But you know, you know you need therapy. I know you and I know you need therapy. And I'm not saying it as a dig. And I and I want people to say, and I'm going to keep mm-hmm. talking about it. I don't want people to think that therapy is like, oh, I'm fucked up. It's something wrong with me. It's like, for, we're all fucked up. Everybody's mm-hmm. fucked up in their own way. Whatever your life experience brought to you, whatever bad cards was dealt, whatever bad fucked up people was in your life, whatever emotional trauma you weren't able to like sort through, like we all deal with that. Not to mm-hmm. mention if you are... If you are a person of color in America, you need to go to therapy because this system yeah. is beating us down every fucking day. And so for you, you not to say you, but this the you person who's just like, no, I don't need it. You know who mm-hmm. I don't need it. Blah, 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 blah. It's like you definitely need it. And then they say, yeah. well, everybody says when I say I don't need it, they say I definitely need it. So they, it's like, you know what it is? I remember knowing that I was going to go to therapy. Like I always knew mm. at some point and I told myself, I gave myself two options. One was I want to go to therapy before I get into a serious relationship or like marriage. Like before I get married, I want to, I want to go to therapy. And mm. also it was like, before I like blow up, before I like increase my uh, public visibility to the next level, I want to make sure that I'm in the right headspace to deal with whatever comes with that. Because people criticize you on social media, especially someone like me who comes from, you know, having bullying in my childhood. Like people criticize you for the way you look, your hair, your makeup, your clothes, your height, you you know, your boobs, your shoes. Like people get on you a bit, your accent, how you say this and, you know, like everything they can criticize you for. And if you are a person who is sensitive to these things, it could really eat away at you. Even if you are a strong person, it could eat away at Mm -hmm. you. Like I remember when I did the Tonight Show, I did the Tonight Show and I gave myself 24 hours to look at comments. That was it. Mm. I was like, after 24 hours, I'm not looking at comments no more. And yeah. some of the comments was like, oh, she's funny. She's not funny. Cool. But then it started like doing like personal attacks. Like, oh, she's wearing the wrong undergarments. It's like, nigga, if you look at my undergarments, like, then yeah. you look at How many at the times you watch it? Yeah. This ain't, nigga, yeah. this ain't on you porn. This on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, but it's like people just think they're critical. And I think that's the problem with, like, social media. It, it gives people this anonymity to think that they can mm-hmm. say anything that they want to say, not realizing that we're still human beings. And so I wanted to prepare myself for anything that came up. And because this was around the time that I released my book, 
um, uh, fuck your fuck your diet available everywhere. Um, and so that's we'll why put I the links up. Therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, put the links up. Um, so that's why I started going to therapy. And then once I was in therapy, um, you know, I went in there thinking like I'm doing this for you know for this reason and then over time and i told you know i told many people this this week it's like it's not like a one-time thing it's not like the first time you go everything is sorted out it's like you start to get comfortable with like digging deeper and the person actually pointed questions and you start to be able to correlate things because you know we're in our lives we're living our lives we're in the moment and so mm-hmm. every once in a while it's good to have somebody who can help you take 10 steps back and look at the bigger picture and see how things connect and influence where you are in the moment. And so knowing that, and like, I'm very grateful for giving myself the opportunity to look at my life like mm-hmm. that, because it, it, I think it's changed how I interact with the world, how I show up for myself, how I show up for other people, meaning being super present um, and giving myself completely without being like worried about my own shit, you know, like setting my shit aside to, show up and be where I need to be and so it's helped me tremendously I mean you know you know me personally so it's definitely mm-hmm. helped me tremendously and I want that for my friends I want that for my friends and I you know it kind of bums me out when people are like I don't need it and it's like I know you nigga you mm. fucking need therapy like because you cause but I did the therapy thing I did the therapy thing when we were roommates and it wasn't that I didn't just it wasn't that I didn't like it I I liked it and it was a little Jewish dude he was super cool. Yeah, I know him? who you're talking and about. He, yes, yeah. But but, but, but that but that but here's I, the told thing. You, I told you that was not the right person to go to. Mm-hmm. I told you that because that person was going that person was going to use only comics. Like that, like mm-hmm. you gotta be mindful. Anyway, all right, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yes. But no, here was the thing, right? Like, um sometimes he made me come to a reality that I was like not made me come to a reality, but it was so the end result of that therapy was me like ending a relationship with somebody. And and sometimes in my mind I go, well if I go to therapy again, who would I lose this time? You get what I'm saying? But let me like, tell you something. Sometimes you need to lose people because you realize yeah. that the way that the, the way that your relationship is set up set up with them it mm-hmm. could be traumatic. It could be toxic. Mm-hmm. It could be not good for you. It could be one-sided. And mm-hmm. I think the thing is, is that that is your, that is your, um, your childhood talking, right? Because mm-hmm. you're just, you don't, you don't like losing people. You don't like mm-hmm. not having strong relationships and you are willing to make something work with somebody to keep them in your life because you had so much loss and, and, and in vacancy in your, in your upbringing. And so that, that is a real thing. And so understanding what the root of your actions are help you not to repeat bad actions. And so, yes, you will lose people in your life mm-hmm. who you feel like you've been able to manage and keep this relationship on life support. But mm-hmm. it's better to let that thing go and give your energy 100% to something else that really, truly fulfills you. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it's not like you lost and it's not like you're mm-hmm. a loser and it's not like you're a bad person. It's just that you know how to treat yourself better now and you need to have people in your life that also treat you better. And the people that don't, that you still want to keep in your life, you just, you know, reassign them to a different part of your life that doesn't have as much access and availability to you and to fuck up your, and fuck up your flow. Amen. Are you a therapist? Should I add no. that to the list? De- Should I add that to the, no, the list of things? That. The Jill no. of all trades? 
All right, Chloe, so we're coming to the end of the first half of the show. Would you mind sticking around for the Patreon? We talk Absolutely. more shit. All yes. right.